Good morning. It's good to be with you here this morning. I want to say officially, Merry Christmas to each one of you. I've been blessed this morning already. I want to tell you a story that probably many of you are already familiar with, at least. Um, Far away and not long ago, um, summer of 2018, actually, in northern Thailand, a group of 12 boys and a soccer teacher, soccer coach, um, went on a cave exploration trip. The soccer coach had been in this cave before, and he thought it would be neat to take his boys and go visit this cave. And it would be a couple-hour um, excursion. They um, took a flashlight and a few extra sets of batteries and a rope. Um, no, no water, no food. They were just going to go in and come right back out. Um, so after pushing into the cave for over two miles, um, the heavy monsoons started, the rains started. And flashlight walking along through this cave exploring. They wanted to write their names way back in this cave. They realized that the water was rising. And some of those places back there, we had to crawl on the water to get under those ceilings in the cave. So they decided they'd better hurry back. So they traveled back and squeezed through an area that was getting higher, and they went over another over land in the cave, and they came to the other place they were supposed to go under, and it was completely submerged in water, and the water was rising, and they're trapped. And so their soccer coach, seeing the, seeing the situation, knowing that time is of essence, he gives them one end of the rope, and he says, I'm going to try to go under, um, and if I can't make it, pull me back, and... So he jumped in and tried, and sure enough, he um, was unable to, he was running out of breath, and so they pulled him back up, and that's where they stayed. They crawled up on the ledge and sat still and talked about their options. Um, Two and a half miles up a cave, waterlocked, and over 3,000 feet below the top of the mountain, there's not a lot of options. Um, You're kind of limited on your options. Would the water go down in an hour or two, and then they could possibly make it out? Days pass. The water does not go down, but it continues to rise. The water from the river is unfit to drink. It's murky. And they knew it would be unsafe to drink, so they kept themselves hydrated by licking the stalactites from the ceiling of the cave. Those little moisture drops. Purified water. Their leader tried to keep them calm by offering hope of salvation, a hope of being found, though he himself was doubtful. Meanwhile, outside on the entrance of the cave, a... um, impromptu tent town started growing. The families were there. The Thailand army was there. 
and rescue workers and divers were present. And rescue divers started to swim up the cave and realized the magnitude of the difficulty of the swim. Um, you have an oxygen tank that's bulky and heavy and you're going through tight um, corridors in the cave and you can only go one-third tank in and then one-third tank out and your last third is for an emergency. And so they were very limited on their um, progress. International help was called. Um, British divers arrived on the scene and about 30 U.S. Marines were flown to Thailand to help with the operation. Huge pumps were set up to start bringing down the water level in the cave if they could. Um, by that time, divers were able to push their way in to an air bubble about a mile up into the cave. They made a um, base. They were swimming in oxygen tanks and different emergency supplies, so they used sort of a relay system to get supplies up to this base. Um, on July 2nd, this all started on June 23rd. So on July 2nd, nine days after becoming trapped, the British divers discovered them two and a half miles up the cave network. There they were huddled up in darkness, in the darkness on, a, on the ledge all together. And there's actually a video online of finding them. Light for the first time in nine days. I don't know how long their batteries lasted and hope for the first time in nine days. Um, 11 to 16 year old, 11 to 16 year old boys can get quite hungry if you have any understanding of that. Um, some of their first words were, we're hungry. And um, what, is, what day is today? And when can we get out? Uh, were some of their first words that they were chattering. And they had to tell them, Tomorrow, we'll try to bring you some food and we'll start working on a plan to get you out. On day 10, the next day, food and water and foil sleeping bags were packed through the relay of divers up to the boys. The world rejoiced to hear that they were found alive. Um, the rejoicing may have been a little premature because of the treacherous and near impossible way, um, impossibility of getting them out alive. Um, swimming was so difficult for an expert diver that diving the boys out looked almost impossible. At first they thought they could keep them alive for months until the waters could go down, but the oxygen level in their bubble was diminishing and it was getting to critical low. Um, an attempt to stretch two and a half miles of airline up the cave network was considered and started, but then abandoned. It would have taken a lot of time, and they felt like the better situation would be to try to get them out. Um, over a thousand Thai soldiers swarmed the mountain searching for alternative caves that may have access down to this 
um, area, or at least close to where they're trapped. Um, to no avail, they found some very deep holes, but they did not find another path. So the only way out was the same way they went in. And the weather was moving into the wet season. It was only going to get worse. The parents wrote notes, wrote notes for the boys. The Navy SEALs and divers transported these notes to the boys and that they received encouragement. And the boys wrote notes back to their parents and their parents were excited to hear something directly from their sons. Um, somewhere in this time, a Thai Navy SEAL um, transporting air tanks to the boys drowned. His own tank ran out abruptly. The decision was made, the tough decision that was made to swim them out, it was the only way. The heavy rains were certain to come. They packed in um, wetsuits and full body stretchers. They had to swim these items up and they brought a doctor in an anesthesiologist. Each boy would be suited up in the wetsuit and strapped tightly into the um, stretcher and sedated and an, an air mask strapped to their face and off they would go in their journey. They were going to do four at a time um, if a rock would happen to come in contact with the face mask of the boy, that would be it because that would be, so they had to be extremely careful with their cargo. So two divers per each boy and very long underwater transport and zero visibility. Um, the waters were muddy and they could see just a couple inches, but by the time they found the rock, it was their face. And so they tried to keep the boy just behind them and they navigated and they had to have an incredible sense of memory to how to navigate because they'd been in, out of, in and out of this cave quite a number of times. Before they made this attempt, they practiced with volunteer children in a swimming pool of how they will float and um, they just did some practice run with some of the, some of the seals. <clears throat> So the divers would assist each boy as a helpless piece of cargo. He wasn't completely put to sleep, but he was extremely lethargic. He was completely dependent on his, on his um, rescuers. On July 16, I'm sorry, on, on day 16, July 8th, the first four boys came out of the cave. On the next day, four more boys were extracted. Finally, on day 18, July 10, the last boy was the last boys were finally extracted from the cave with their instructor. They were all taken to the hospital for some recovery time. They were very malnourished, and they wanted to make sure that they hadn't caught some disease from the cave or um, from their long stay in there. <clears throat> During their hospital stay, the boys learned that a Navy SEAL had passed away, had died in the operation, and they were just shocked and saddened at the thought that 
somebody had died and they felt responsible somehow. But all of the boys were alive and reunited with their families. And why do I tell this story at Christmas time? The first Christmas broke the silence of about 400 years of no word from God. But what they couldn't see was that on heaven's side, a rescue effort was mounting. John chapter 1, verse 14, I think it was read this morning already. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 400 years with no word from, no new word from God, they had the scroll. And when you don't have anything new, what do you do? You just, you keep on doing what you know to do and you keep on with the word. But I just was picturing it this morning. They love the scrolls. They love the, the um, books. That was their only hope. They read of the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. This was their word from God. It's all they had. But imagine if that word would take on flesh and life and could speak, and then you could ask questions. And that's exactly what God was doing. He was sending forth a living word in flesh. He broke the silence. He broke the silence. So, I would like to start. We're going to mostly spend time in Luke this morning. Um, Luke chapter 1. We'll start with a very nice old man named Zach. Zachariah, actually. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 to 17. So Zechariah was one of, the prof, um, one of the priests, and in that day there were so many priests that they had to draw lots to see who would do a temple service, and there was enough, I've heard, that you could go your whole life and not get chosen. But he was chosen. And he goes in and he burns the incense while he's there. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. That would be startling. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear came upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many from the of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in spirit and power of Elijah 
him is capitalized, it's Jesus. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'll stop reading there. So the first words that broke the silence, I think says something about the character of God. Our God, the first words that broke the 400 years of silence coming from God through the angel is, fear not. I think we can just kind of claim that this morning. Maybe we're not afraid this morning. I think I would have been afraid in his situation. I was talking with Janelle this morning, and if she was alone in the house and working in the kitchen, and all of a sudden this angel was just standing there quietly and still, just looking at her, she would probably be afraid. I would be jump out of my skin. Um, fear not. This was news of... Great joy. After he got over the fear, news of great joy. Um, give Zechariah a little break here. Um, he had a few misgivings, um, and because of that, he lacked faith to accept the word of the, of the Lord. Mary had the faith. Um, young people sometimes have an edge on older people in faith, but he lacked faith and had to go without speaking for a, a while until the child was born. Um, six months later, the angel made another appearance, and that's um, verse 26. I would like to look at that, these verses here. Now, in the sixth month of the angel, Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. We read this passage this morning already. This is another um, message of don't be afraid. Rejoice because great things are coming. I'm doing a great thing. And she had the faith to believe. Bless her heart. And then in the book of Matthew, I think it was read as well, Joseph received a visit. He needed a visit. This had never happened before. Logic said she was unfaithful, but the angel told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. So the message that seems so often to be coming from God is to fear not and don't be afraid and rejoice. So when the silence finally ended and heaven cracked open a little, messages of joy and fear now started spilling out. 
And then Mary visits Elizabeth, um, and John, filled with the Holy Spirit already, tangled himself in his mother's umbilical cord over joy um, in the presence of Mary's voice. Um, it says that John leaped in her womb. And then John is born in a miraculous season, and everybody is filled with wonder and amazement. How can this be? We're going to keep our eyes on this child. Something special is going on here. And then we jump to chapter 2. I'll read verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all, the, all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was, with um, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Can you wrap your mind around that? It's as if there's just a whole lot of compacted facts there that just so difficult to comprehend that God became a baby. And because it's so difficult for us to understand and because it's just straight facts about the incident God added verse 8 through 20. And I would like to read that now. This portion is like a sideshow that just um, magnifies the facts that we just read. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And when the angel said to them, then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they 
made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which they were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. This angel scene. Okay, so the angel visited Zechariah, said, you're going to have a son. So Zechariah was a very key player, a role player in this story, in the narrative. And then he came, the angel came six months later to Mary. You're going to have a baby. Mary was a very key player in this rescue mission. And then Joseph needed a visit. He was a role player in the rescue mission. And then the shepherds. Why were the shepherds involved? This seemed kind of like the angels couldn't contain themselves. They were done doing the messaging, you know, but they just couldn't contain themselves. They had to, oh, God sent them. God sent them to the shepherds. With another message, fear not, and look at what I'm doing. This is glorious. And then the thing that the, the message that really caught my attention is what they chorused together. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. See, angels have a unique perspective on things. They can see what's going on here and up there, kind of simultaneously. And what you see going on in this verse, what the angels are saying, um, kind of depicts that. They just witnessed God being born as a baby, as a human child. And they're also witnessing heaven. They're witnessing God being glorified in heaven and the greatest gift possible being given to humanity on earth. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That is the story of the coming of our rescuer. I want to take us back to old Zechariah, old Zach, chapter 1, verse 76. They had just had their baby boy, and they were so happy. God is powerful. He is miraculous. And he just blesses, um, blesses God. You know what? I'm going to back up just a little bit. Let's start at 6 or 7. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets 
who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, and you will be before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That verse is why I told you the story about the cave, the boys in the cave, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus is our rescuer. He has come as a light into the world to save those who understand their situation, their desperate need. To save those who understand their desperate need. Just as these boys rejoiced to see that light come up out of the water as a rescuer arrived, um, we also have reason to rejoice over the coming of our Lord and Savior. Do you know that it's just as relevant for you and me to rejoice over Jesus' birth as it was the shepherds? Jesus um, is heaven's searchlight come to earth um, to save us. I'd like to turn one more passage over here to John, and I think this may have been referenced already as well. John 1, verse 4 through 14. It says it better than I could describe it. It fits so well. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came from for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was the, in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power or the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is the light that has come into the world. So his light is still shining today, but I have a word of caution for us. Um, Blind men can't see the sun on a hot day. And they can't help it. They can tell the sun is shining by the warmth, but you cannot see the sun when you were blind. And just in the same way that not every person on earth is saved by the rescuer, um, there, is all, there is this thing called spiritual blindness that is not, that none of us are completely safe from. If I am spiritually apathetic and dull, I'm not going to really have much feeling of rejoicing over this Christmas thing and the coming of the Lord. So we need... Okay, so the good news about that is, is Jesus heals the blind. And he's still healing. He heals the blind daily in spiritual sense. And he wants to heal my blindness. He wants to heal your blindness. He's into healing blindness so that we can see the light of his salvation. So I wanted to look at the individuals briefly before I close on... Who's part of the story here? We've got um, very young and very old and the lowest class. We've got Mary, the young, and Zachariah, the old, and the shepherds of the lowest class. I think it's interesting to see God's choice of um, affecting with the good news. Sometimes I look around church and think it's a f- interesting, his choice of affecting with the good news. Um, So, what do we have to do to be a part of this story? So his his, um, rescuing effort is still ongoing underway. So to be a part of the story, all we have to do is be rescued. Believe in the only begotten Son of God. Remember the cave only had one entrance? There was no other way out. And we, they couldn't save themselves. They were strapped in a full-body harness and sedated. They were like a piece of cargo being taken out. In that sense, also, we cannot save ourselves. We have to completely trust in our rescuer, Jesus. That's the first step. And the second step, Jesus calls us to be lights of the world. The light that he came into the world with, is supposed to now be shed from our hearts, from our lives. And we have a lot of reason to rejoice. And when we have true light in our hearts and our lives, 
we um we will be a, um, we will rejoice and we will be a light. So that brings the conclusion of the message. Um, I would like to just pause for a word of prayer at this time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for Jesus. We do not deserve you, Lord. Did not deserve to be saved. Back here in this cave, no hope. And you have brought redemption and salvation and light and a purpose to live. And I just thank you for your word and your spirit this morning. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.